Welcome to the Gift Club. The Gift Club has taken the liberty to raise awareness of how our industry can save the world and slow down climate change. And we are doing this with a number of articles and podcasts with senior leaders, owners and CEOs who are actively doing something about it to play their part or have something to say about it. In this episode, I talked to Graham Lysett, founder of Green Gift Cards, an organisation dedicated to providing a real green business alternative to plastic, which will reduce costs and reduce impact on the environment. Graham will be talking to me about the wider issue of business costs versus the environment and how brands must take responsibility and be far more greener than they are now. So thank you for taking the time to talk to me, Graham. Hey, you're welcome. Good to be here. A good start to this conversation is asking about how brands still use gift cards. Um, is the physical gift card still well and truly embedded in a brand's gifting solution? And how important are they to their sales revenue? Yeah, I mean, physical for me is obviously where we, we've been living for years and years since we invented the, the green gift card brand. Um, and, and pursuing a, an alternative to, to plastic, which we were kind of forced on in terms of a legacy when we started in 2006 producing gift cards for the first gift card wall uh, in Sainsbury's. We just took on what the American market was doing, which was plastic. Uh, it became apparent to me very quickly that this was over-engineered um, for, for what these cards were doing, which was a relatively short life cycle. Um, but obviously, one of the key benefits of having physical gift cards in a third-party mall, for example, is brand awareness. You get brand placement, and I don't think you should undervalue that. So having a physical gift card for any brand, I think, is vital. Digital, obviously, is in the ascendance. Uh, we saw through lockdown, through COVID, that, uh, that digital gifting became prevalent. Uh, can understand why. <laughs> the irony is, though, we produce physical gift cards for an online food delivery service, and they were being we produced more than forty percent more than normal. So we were producing more physical cards for a digital solution. It's quite ironic, really. But no, I, my view is that uh, digital and physical will sit side by side. I mean, fifty nine percent of consumers are, are demanding that gift cards are in across channel now. So they, you know, the consumers are driving that change. So brands need to be aware of that, and I think more and more brands are, are are switching onto that now the fact that they need to have a physical and a digital play to appeal to all their customers back to the environment side of it you know the the, the carbon footprint of a physical gift card compared to a digital gift card people tend to say that or are led to believe that digital is is environmentally friendly there's, there's a consequence to everything we do the average email with an attachment has a 30 30 grams of carbon associated to it. No one doesn't sort of really think about that, but you've got your data centers, your computer, the power, and that's before you print it off. So you know, there's a consequence to everything we do, but for anything that you can redeem against a physical product, for me, I'd still prefer you know, to see a physical gift card as the solution, of course, because I genuinely believe there's a lower carbon footprint as well. I really do, compared to, to an email. I say that if you read Mike Berners-Lee book, How Bad Are Bananas, it, you know, it covers everything. It's kind of my go-to now, um, but there is a consequence to, to it all. Um, but we as consumers need to be more thoughtful of that generally. So keeping it on the environment then and the carbon footprint, obviously we're, I, what I'm trying to, um, to do is raise awareness of what this industry can do to save, to save one, play their part you know, in climate change. So. Um, looking at the related costs when it comes to gift cards um, and 
how brands are buying them and what consumers are doing with them. Can you, is there a life cycle of a, or the, the costs of a gift card life cycle that you can talk us through that affects the environment? There's two key aspects to look at. We've just done an internal study actually, but I, I certainly challenge a, a willing brand to do this with the hard figures. We, we're, we're making some assumptions here, but there is the, the monetary impact of physical gift card production. And of course, very closely associated to that is the environmental impact. Uh, so that, that'll help a brand determine whether they do have a physical or digital play or, you know, as I said before, continue with both. So I've been going about this for years, that the, the, the overall life cycle value or cost and, and impact of a gift card. So when I wear two hats, I've got the, the, the you know, I own a business, I want to make money. Um, so commercially, I can, it's nice to chase the big orders from the big brands and get you know, a fair margin on that. But with my other hat, which I find myself arguing with myself regularly around this commercially versus environmental responsibility, is that the more you produce, okay, you may drive a lower price purchase price point from a procurement department point of view. That's their objective is to get as many cards as they can for as little cost as possible. But what they sometimes do there is just blindly walk down a route that, that causes more problems long-term actually becomes a more of a financial burden elsewhere in the same business. So for example, if, if a brand orders 10 million cards based on forecasts for the year, a million cards go into channel, great, they've got an absolute great purchase price from their, from their supplier. Those other 9 million cards go on pallets in a warehouse where they're stored for up to two years. And this is just based on our own experience from some of our own customers. So you've got a question, what's the actual cost? And you take into account the purchase price of the cards initially, You've got to then sort of say, okay, I've got to get a million of those distributed to store. So there's a distribution cost, pick pack and distribution cost, and there's the delivery cost. Then you've got the balance of the stock that's left in the warehouse. Well, that's two pound a pallet a week. It's insured. It, you know, it sits on somebody else's PL. Then you've got to pick pack and dispatch as you go through throughout the year. Um, and again, every touch point that's, that has a cost associated to it has a carbon footprint associated to it as well. So on average, we've worked out that if you take your base cost of a card and then you put between 25 and 30% when you take into those into account those storage costs, insurance costs, uh, pick, pack and delivery costs. So the argument really, from my point of view, is oh, the other thing actually, having those cards sat on the shelf is you run the risk of them going out of date or a T's and C's change or a brand change that then renders those cards completely useless. So you write them off, then you've got to dispose of them. If they're plastic, that becomes a massive problem because there is no solution for plastic card. It's safe destruction without any emissions. We're working on that at the moment on another project. So there's this it's a whole thing around, if you buy big, you get the better unit price initially, but you pay longer term. So I, I say our calculations based on um, what we know for storage and insurance and pick pack and dispatch and delivery costs, you could add between 25 and 30% to the base card to the cost. So the argument is why not print what you need on a quarterly basis based on actual sales run rates rather than forecasts. You do a couple of things there because I think the costs pretty much balance out. You'd be paying a slightly higher unit price for lower volumes more frequently. But I say when you factor in all those other costs, they're probably going to balance out. Now I challenge a brand to, to run the numbers when they've got those, you know, they've got those hard numbers. We've got some assumptions we've made. So I'd like to see some brands be brave and do that, that model comparison and then do the same from an environmental impact point of view. So if you say, so if you consider manufacturing cards, 
based on run rates on a quarterly or even more frequent basis and deliver straight from your supplier to store. You've only got one delivery to each store, not multiple deliveries from a, you know, from a warehouse and so on. So there's definitely environmental reductions there, environmental impact reductions. Um, so I'd, I'd say so I'd urge your brands to calculate the financial impact of that. But I know without a shadow of a doubt, the environmental impact will be lower because you'll be just moving less product You'll, you'll mitigate the products going out of date or expiring or brand change, you know, you'll reduce that volume. Now we know there are brands that have got millions of plastic cards sat in warehouses because they don't know what to do with them. They're out of date or they're multi-brand cards where some of the retailers are now out of business. So what do you do with that? And that that's all written off. And then there's still an impact on how you dispose of it safely because it's plastic. It's very, very hard to do. You can't incinerate it and you can't really bury it. Um, even if you shred it and bury it, it's still plastic and it gets into our ecosystem as we know. So, so yeah, there is a life cycle cost both financially and environmentally to high volume production. So I would urge brands to say to run those numbers, calculate the difference and make some decisions based on that. So on the wider topic of gifts, not just gift cards, is there's some horrendous numbers out there around the way we gift and the way we waste those gifts. So. Um, Previous Christmases, I'm sure this Christmas just gone is the same. Um, but out of 2,000 British adults that were surveyed, over 21 million of them had at least one unwanted gift each Christmas. So that presents a problem. What do you do with all of that waste? Same as the gift cards that go out of, out of date. And you know, what do you do with that? The frightening statistics really are that over 21 million, say Brits receive a gift they don't want. And at 41 pound on average per gift, that's over 5 billion pounds of unwanted gifts. Some of them will be responsible and 23% uh, of them will re-gift them to somebody else. Two in five Brits say that their, their favorite part of, of Christmas is spending time with family and you can't really put a, a price on that. Um, it's been even more in focus given the pandemic we've been through for the last couple of years that, that time with, with family is, is vitally important. Um, but some interesting numbers here actually, um, but out of all of those unwanted gifts, 6% of them get thrown away. Now that's 6% that get either put into incineration or landfill. And that 6% could be made up of any, I mean, anything clothing, which we know there's a plastic problem in as well. Most modern clothing features plastic. Um, kids' toys, is, they're all made of plastic these days. So that 6% of that five billion pounds is a significant value. But the, the scarier number in there is what we're doing to the environment. We're burying all of this stuff or burning it. It's not a solution. Reuse of products is a much better solution and changing the sub, the materials, the packaging materials, everything that we, we consume and dispose of, then there are alternatives available today. Gift cards is a prime example. There is sustain, a sustainable, renewable alternative in paperboard and it's become really widely accepted globally now. The world's biggest issue of gift cards is Amazon. Their cards are paperboard. If it's good enough for them, it's good enough for anybody. And I, and I really have no understanding why any brand is still on plastic, given consumer demand, consumer awareness now. Post COP26, we're all more acutely aware than ever that we need to change. But as consumers, we can only buy what we're presented with. So unfortunately, the burden really does sit with the brands and the, and the retailers. So, I mean, it's you come across um, talking about the brands need to do something and they need to do something fairly soon. And, it, and it, the responsibility does lie with, with them. Um, a lot of it anyway. Some of these brands are big, big brands and they've got, you know, they've got their own targets, their own sales goals and 
I'm not sure what where their sort of environmental um, social responsibility or um, corporate social respons responsibility sits obviously in their strategies. But if you were going to go in to speak to a, a brand today um, who um, you know that needs to change their mindset, what solutions are there that would make it easy for that brand to change their own their own climate, I guess, um, right now? What could they do instantly that would make a big difference? Well, I can only really talk about it in the context of the world that I'm in, which is, which is print yeah. and, and paperboard substrates. So, yeah. So, as I say, paperboard is the the most credible, most readily available normally when there's no supply chain issues. Uh, alternative to the plastics that they rely on for packaging. So, yeah, paper paper bags are a prime example. So, supermarkets that are doing this this ridiculous greenwashing of a bag for life. It's, a, it's completely wrong. Four times as much plastic involved in making a bag for life. We, as, as the users of those plastic bags, have more than ever. I think the last time I did a, some research on this, we have, there's enough bags for life in the UK that I think we have 51 bags per household. It's utterly ridiculous. So all we've done is made the problem much worse under the premise of being greener. That those are the strategies that don't work. What you need to do is eradicate plastic altogether, replace it with paper. I mean, our local Morrisons do it. You know, you don't have to take a plastic bag, you can take a paper bag. We know the paper bag is an FSC bag, so it comes from a, a responsible um, resource. We know it's going to be recycled easily in normal household waste streams and normal commercial waste streams. There's no specialist recycling. So I would urge any retailers to probably reprioritize their very difficult set of challenges to become more responsible and, and in the wider ESG remit. But go for the quick wins, the low-hanging fruit, and that is take your plastic packaging and make it paperboard. Take your plastic cards and make them paperboard. It's the simplest thing you can do. And the great thing about cards is for any brands that haven't really looked into replacing their plastic cards with paperboard cards, is it doesn't impact the consumer in any shape or form. You haven't got to re-educate them. You haven't got to re-educate your staff. The card is exactly the same. Everything about it is identical. It just happens to be on a substrate that is compostable, recyclable. To answer your question, I would encourage every brand to look at their plastic packaging and products that can be made of paper and deal with those first and foremost, because they are the quickest wins, they are the easiest wins, and they're the ones you haven't really got to edu educate the consumer on. There are far more complicated things in their, in their supply chain, in their entire ESG remit that, that are outside my areas of expertise. But um, yeah, changing from, from a plastic to paper or a board packaging and card solution is easy. It really is. And there are so many suppliers out there that can provide the alternative solutions. So many paper manufacturers have really woken up to the fact that there is a market out there that needs them. Bio barriers that go onto packaging for food, all, all exists. None of this is, is, is rocket science. It's all out there. It all exists. There's multiple suppliers providing it. It's For me, it's the simplest solution. Yeah, I, I think it's just a very small mind, mind, mindset shift and mentality, isn't it, around buying, but brands and retailers buying and selling cards and, and you know, making those really small changes make a big, big difference. Um, I'd actually, I was actually thinking perhaps there's a brand who'd like to, would like to chat with me like we are for some interrogation and perhaps you can get involved with that, Graham. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd love to know what the what the barriers are. So I'm, yeah. I'm saying as a non-brand, you know, non-retailer, why I think these things are easy to do. I'd love to hear why the brand says they're not easy to do. Yeah. Um, it'll be an interesting debate, that's for sure. Yeah, um, well, food for thought, I think. Yeah. I think yeah. I'd like, yeah, I'm going to be onto that. 
it's been really great speaking to you. Um, it's obvious, you know, you 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 ooze this as a as a passion, not just as a business. And um, yeah, I, I think whatever you're doing um, and the the message you're getting across, it needs to be uh, in a much wider capacity for for people to sit up and listen. Um, and I just be hoping that this this is a this is something that people listen to and actually start making making a change in their business because um, your your stats that you've shared are, are quite poignant. The individuals who work in these brands and these retailers will sit up and go. Actually, we sh we should start as a person. I need to make a stand in my own business and make this happen. You know, businesses as a whole won't do it. It needs to be an individual at the, it to start with. So thank you, Graham. Thank you so much for your for your time and your insights today. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me.